Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show special Labor Day edition. You guys know I love college football and uh, almost never take any time off on Labor Day because we're always reacting to whatever is going to happen in college football over the opening weekend on Labor Day. So, Clay and Buck is not on. Uh, I'm on here a little bit early today. The Outkick 360 will be right on after me. Thanks to everybody that I got to meet up in Knoxville over the weekend for the Tennessee kickoff game against Ball State. Uh, I am headed to uh, Austin, Texas on Wednesday for the Alabama-Texas game as part of the Big Noon kickoff show, which will air on Saturday on Fox. Uh, And we will have Alabama-Texas for you right at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern, 10 Mountain, and 9 a.m. on the West Coast. Bright and early start for all of you on Saturday morning. So much to react to. Uh, And I want to start right here because you guys know, not the kind of guy to brag or draw attention to himself. But we have officially buried uh, Fade the Picks guy. He is dead. He is finished. He has been completely demolished in the greatest opening college football weekend of gambling these eyes have ever seen. Right now, through 10 picks, we are sitting at 9-1. and one. Our only loss so far in the opening weekend of college football for games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We got a game tonight. I'm on Georgia Tech plus the points against Clemson. Our only loss so far this week was a half-point game in the Purdue Penn State battle. If you watched that game, you know that it came down to a tipped uh, ball on second and third down. Good uh, defense, basically, by Penn State. A review on second down to see whether or not the ball was caught that would have ended that game. Uh, A uh, tip ball on third down. Narrowly missed first down throws on both of those plays. Purdue did. If they had, We'd be sitting at 10-0 and right now. So we lost one game this week by a half point. Some of you may have even gotten that extra half point and be sitting right now at 10-0. and Greatest performance of any prognosticator that I have seen who has three kids, runs a website, lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and has roughly a million Twitter followers in the history of college sports gambling. Your boy has been on absolute fire. So I hope you made some money. I hope you rode uh, with the respecting the picks. I hope that you dove in and were a part of the OutKick gambling crew. And if you weren't, I hope that you're bankrupt, quite frankly, because if you're fade the picks guy, this is what you deserve. Uh, so much to discuss. Let's start with the game that just happened last night. Uh, Notre Dame, sorry, Florida State. We'll get to Notre Dame in a minute. Florida State hangs on to beat... Uh, Uh, LSU by a point on a blocked extra point 
last night on the Sunday night signature edition college football game from down in New Orleans. Brian Kelly and his fake Southern accent lose their opener against Florida State. And I got to be honest with you, big win for Mike Norvell, big loss for Brian Kelly, whose team did not look very good at all. But late in this game, it's as if no one wants to talk about it. It feels like the officials totally bungled that final review. If you were watching, LSU gets a first down. A tight end is trying to get out of bounds. Doesn't quite. Lands inbounds with around two seconds left. They review it for what seems like forever. After initially saying that he went out of bounds, they come back and say that he stayed inbounds. And what should happen in that scenario is the clock, given the fact that it was a first down and would have stopped for the first down, the clock should start on the ready-to-play signal. Instead, for some reason, Florida State takes a timeout. And that means that Notre Dame, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, that that, uh, that LSU, I'm still saying Notre Dame because Brian Kelly's the coach and I'm crossed over. That means that LSU has basically unlimited time to get the playoff when it should have been the case that the referee blows his whistle and there's almost no time distinguished between that start and uh, when the snap has to occur. Regardless, blocked extra point ending in a crazy fashion. I don't know why Mike Norvell was running a pitch down on the goal line. I don't know why he allowed himself or his team to turn the ball over. Worst case scenario, you should just run the ball right up the middle every single play down there. Make LSU take the rest of their timeouts. You can take a knee, uh, I guess would be the worst case scenario. Make LSU use all of their timeouts, have zero risk, and then you make them have to go 95 yards for the tying score. Uh, Instead, again, LSU nearly pulls it off, can't survive, loses that game. I don't think LSU is very good. This, however, was a big win for Mike Norvell, who has been under tremendous fire at Florida State, uh, to go get uh, what was a signature win in many aspects for him. That wasn't the only big win of the opening weekend. Uh, We got first-year head coach of the University of Florida, Florida, Billy Napier. I thought Anthony Richardson, and I've been saying this for a couple of years now, so this is nothing new, He reminds me both of Cam Newton and of Vince Young. He's a better passer than he is than Tim Tebow. Uh, I'm not sure that he's going to be as aggressive of a runner as Tebow was, uh, but he's a better passer than Tebow or Vince Young were. Both Tebow and Young had a little bit unique kind of hitches in their throws. Uh, And he reminds me maybe the best analogy of Cam Newton back in 2010. If you remember Cam Newton, he was on an Auburn team, not a great Auburn team, probably an 8-4 and four caliber Auburn team with an average SEC quarterback. But Cam Newton was so transcendent that year that he took Auburn to 14-0. I'm not saying that Anthony Richardson is good enough to get Florida to 14-0, but that's kind of the vibe that this year's Florida Gators team has to me. Just okay with a fabulous quarterback. Uh, And we'll see how high that fabulous quarterback can elevate the team around him. Uh, But to me, the the overall storyline here is uh, is pretty compelling. I think Anthony Richardson is going to be a first-round NFL draft pick at the end of this year. And I think Billy Napier is really fortunate to have him. 
Having said that, Utah played a whale of a game. Got stopped at the one-yard line on one drive, had what should have been a basic walk-in touchdown, I believe on second down on that same drive where the running back loses his footing. And then the interception was a great play by Florida, but a poor choice by your veteran quarterback to throw that pick. I don't know that Utah will go uh, undefeated the rest of the way, but I was actually very impressed by the Utes and the effort that they put forward traveling all the way across the country. Unfortunately for them, it was more of the same for the Pac-12 going up against the SEC. The Pac-12 in the signature challenge games against the SEC, now 1-8 in opening weekend games. And Utah looked pretty good. I got to be honest with you, Oregon looked atrocious. In the debut for Dan Lanning in the Georgia Dome, former defensive coordinator for the Bulldogs, and Kirby Smart and company really put it on them. In particular, Stetson Bennett the fourth. We have to start talking about him as a potential Heisman Trophy candidate. Was electric, transcendent, flawless as signal caller. Georgia comes out as the defending national champs. In my opinion, the Bulldogs should be the number one overall team in the country because they looked better than Alabama and Ohio State, who I will get to in a moment. SEC with two big wins there. Arkansas. Arkansas takes down Cincinnati just a little bit too much in Fayetteville for Luke Fickle's team as they are trying to prove that they were more than a one-year wonder. Arkansas, I believe, is going to be the second-best team in the SEC West this year before all is said and done. But so the Razorbacks got a big win, uh, the Florida Gators and uh, Georgia Bulldogs, three top 25 wins for the SEC. Florida State, big win over Notre Dame. And then, look, I watched this game on Saturday night. I didn't think C.J. Stroud and Ohio State looked very good. And I thought Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame waved the white towel a bit early in this one. They punted with around four minutes to go, and they were only down 11, and they didn't go for it on fourth down. They didn't use all their timeouts. It felt like Notre Dame was just trying to put forth a good effort uh, late in that game as opposed to try to find a way to win it. And so, uh, to me, I know C.J. Stroud issues with, uh, with his top receiver being healthy and had to go out of the game. But to me, Ohio State did not look ready for primetime yet on the offensive side of the ball. Now, maybe with having to replace the talent at wide receiver that they did, the Buckeyes are going to take a bit of time to fit everybody in with C.J. Stroud, get that rhythm going back again. They've got a couple of guaranteed wins coming up before they take on Wisconsin. But I didn't think Ohio State looked that good relative to expectations by and large, certainly not compared to Georgia, who took it to a, uh, a big-time opponent. All right, what do we think about teams that lost big in opening uh, week one. Cincinnati, Oregon, Utah, Notre Dame, LSU lost big games, I should say, against quality opponents. I didn't think LSU looked very good. Uh, I thought Notre Dame looked mediocre. Now, Marcus Freeman is recruiting like crazy. I think they'll probably be okay there. Uh, I thought the Utah looked really good, even in a loss. Oregon looks bad. Cincinnati just looked okay. So if I had to bet on the five teams that lost big, transcendent, powerful games in week one, I would go with Utah as the team to bounce back the fastest. Now, I have got, as I always do, 
uh, my starting 11 column that is up at OutKick right now. And the best games that I saw all weekend, and look, one of the fun things about being at home and not having to be on the road, I can just kick back and watch as many different games as, uh, as I wanted to. Um, I thought that there were some really good performances. Some craziness, right? Zaniness. We already talked about the blocked extra point to give Florida State the win. How about West Virginia driving for the win on the road against Pitt in a rivalry game that hasn't been played in a decade? And West Virginia throws a perfect pass to its wide receiver. He turns. It literally could not be any more perfect. He's wide open. Hits him right in the hands. He pops it up. It's picked off, returned for an interception, and boom, Pitt upsets West Virginia uh, because of that crazy ending situation. And then, to West Virginia's credit, they drive all the way back down the field and come up just a little bit short on what would have otherwise been a phenomenal catch at the goal line. Penn State-Purdue, I said it was our only loss of the weekend I had Purdue plus three and a half. They end up losing by four on a late Penn State touchdown. But right before that, two different passes back-to-back that could have very easily have been caught, were not, and Penn State goes on, gets the win. UNC on the road against App State. App State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter and lost. uh, Two-point conversion play fails, including one wide open. I don't know how the quarterback missed it. The other one stopped just short of the goal. And then NC State, ECU, I'm sorry if you're an East Carolina fan, you were in such incredible spot. Make an extra point or make a field goal. Kicker misses both. Both of those games stood out. Can't also overlook Iowa won 7-3. 7-3 with two safeties and a field goal to get to seven points. That is brutal to watch, but I guess it's better than a loss. Iowa wins to get to seven and three. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, I get to watch morning college football shows rarely because I'm on big noon kickoff. I'll be uh, on the road. I hope some of you guys will be there for Alabama, Texas. Should be a monumental party in Austin. I'll get there Wednesday night. I'm doing the radio show with Buck uh, Sexton on Thursday and Friday. So the reason why I bring this up is I went to a game on Thursday. I was able to just chill at home and watch the pregame shows. I watched game day, which I usually am not able to do. And I also watched... Uh, the SEC Nation show. Usually I'm on Big Noon kickoff with Fox or I've been on the road for so many years for college football that I'm at games, whatnot. I started doing college football for Fox all the way back in 2013. So, I mean, this is a long time now 
that I've been doing, fortunate enough to get to do uh, college football pregame shows. So, I bring this up for that reason. Jack Harlow, who is a rapper, was the worst guest that I've ever seen game day have. And it was awful, atrocious television. And I got to be honest with you guys, Kirk Herbstreet now is like Michael Jordan in the NBA playoffs who suddenly has a high school team surrounding him. Game day has fallen apart. And you kind of get the sense that they know they've fallen apart because going and getting Jack Harlow as a rapper was incredibly aggressive uh, and out-of-the-box and ridiculous thinking from ESPN because they had a huge game, Notre Dame and Ohio State, and the Ohio State Buckeyes were celebrating the 20th year anniversary, and I can't believe it's been 20 years, since Ohio State won the 2002 National Championship. Now, if you remember that 2002 National Championship, came down to what I think was a questionable pass interference call in the end zone. I think Miami should have ended up winning that game, but uh, Ohio State was the champs. You could have put any number of former players on. You could have put on Jim Tressel as your guest picker. There was any number of directions they could have gone. Instead, they got Jack Harlow, who knows absolutely nothing, it appears, about college football and seemed to have no interest whatsoever in learning a little bit to be able to make the guest picks. Uh, On top of that, Lee Corso is a legend. He's 87 years old. You're not helping Lee Corso by putting him next to a 20-something-year-old rapper who knows nothing about college football. Lee Corso said, not so fast, my friend, which is one of his trademarks, in response to Jack Harlow picking Cincinnati to beat Arkansas because he used to know a girl in Cincinnati. Lee Corso follows it up with not so fast, my friend. I don't really think Desmond Howard understands how sports gambling works. Uh, He has never been very good in the picks column at all. And then you've got Herb Street sitting there trying to rescue this entire dumpster fire of a segment inside of what has increasingly become a messy and not very fun or exuberant or well-produced or well-done show of ESPN Game Day. In contrast, I was actually watching SEC Nation as well. They were at Fayetteville. Their guest picker was a drunk John Daly, who was fabulous on the show. Laura Rutledge is the host of SEC Nation. They've got a bevy of talent surrounding her. I don't need to name all of them. Tim Tebow, Marty Smith, uh, McGee, uh, you've got Feinbaum. They've got a really good collection of talent on that show that they bring to bear every single weekend. i got to be honest with you, and I wrote this. If you had to pick talent in college football right now, and you were ESPN and you looked at game day and you looked at SEC Nation, I think that Herb Street would be the first overall draft pick for ESPN talent. Look, I'm pulling my own show out of the mix. I think the Big Noon has become fantastic show. I'm a very small part of it. But you got Brady Quinn, Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Urban Meyer, uh, Rob Stone. I think I got them all. They're fantastic. Got a lot of different uh, people who are contributing to that show as well. Okay, Again, you can watch it for yourself. We're going to be kicking off before Alabama, Texas uh, this weekend down in Austin. I'll be on the road with them pretty much every week doing segments, gambling picks, whatnot uh, during the course of the season. 
But if you had to do a draft pick of just ESPN talent, Kirk Herbstreet for both SEC Nation and Game Day, Herbstreet would be clearly your number one pick. After that, I think like the next six or seven picks would all come from SEC Nation before you would go back and draft anyone that's on game day. And I think they're implicitly acknowledging how desperate they are by putting a guy like Jack Harlow on as a guest picker who has no connection to Ohio State or Notre Dame. You've got a fabulous game, a fabulous setting, and you're still desperate for side acts. It's a sign that the the bones of your show itself is not strong enough to be able to support itself. Game day has had a very long run, but I think it is broken and is now a very bad show um, in general. Uh, and I think they're going to have to remake it. And SEC Nation is now better than game day. And that crystallized for me as I watched week one, which should be for both programs a major kickoff scenario. Big news. This is really big news. College football is crazy. You never know what's going to happen from one moment to the next. But on Friday, going into a holiday weekend, suddenly the college football playoff announced, oh yeah, by the way, we're also going to a 12-team college football playoff. We don't know exactly what year it will start. A couple of years from now seems to be the most likely. Maybe 2026. We'll find out exactly when that playoff is going to begin. It immediately unleashes a lot of opinions. But why would college football not have done this in the middle of the summer when there's nothing going on and everybody is desperate for sports news? Instead, they step all over their opening weekend of games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and tonight, which I love, the five-day opening weekend of college football. But I love the 12-teamer. This is such a ridiculous way to announce it. They should have announced it months ago in the middle of the summer if they had any kind of scheduling plans at all. Here's why I like it. Every sport has found that expanding how many teams make the playoff encourages fans of teams to stay engaged. All sports are in an intensely competitive environment right now. Never before have you been able to watch more new shows at the palm, at the tips of your fingers on so many different streaming devices, on so many different uh, programming options in general. So when you have so many different options... You need to be engaged. You need to feel like there are some stakes at play. And the more often you can believe that your team still has a chance to win a championship, the more you will stay engaged with the season. Major League Baseball, the NFL, uh, the NHL, I believe, although I'm not a big enough uh, of, a, uh, of a knowledgeable fan. Certainly college football, uh, college basketball on some level is likely to do this. The NBA, all of them, have been experimenting or extending the number of teams that are going to make their playoffs. I think going to 12 is a great idea because for many programs, by the time you get to the midway point of the season, by the time you get to halfway through October, if your team is sitting at 4-2 and in October, as often is the case for many teams, you could still finish 10-2, and but you have almost no chance to make the college football playoff with two losses, by and large, when there's only four teams out there. 
when you get to mid-October, if there are 12 teams making the playoff, everybody in the top 25 feels like their team can make the playoff. And even probably 10 or 15 teams outside of the top 25 feel like they can make the playoff. And so I believe this is going to be a boon for the overall uh, landscape of college football. Top four teams will get buys, so there still will be a substantial incentive to be able to avoid that opening round game. The opening round games will be played in college, uh, college stadiums, which will be fantastic, at the higher-seeded team. So five will host 12, six will host 11, uh, you'll have seven uh, hosting, uh, hosting eight, right? Am I, I going to fall apart here? Four, five, six. Uh, six will host 11, and, uh, and seven will host eight. I think I got that right. If I messed that up, uh, the four teams outside of the top four, so five, six, seven, and eight, eight will all host uh, home games, right? So you'll end up with a real advantage that is being put into play there. I don't think it will devalue the regular season because I don't think people are going to not care whether their team beats a rival. Yes, there may be a repeat, but that's not guaranteed and it won't happen that often. And beating your rival will still be a huge deal. So I think this is the right side uh, of the equation for college football to be on. I am a big proponent of the 12-team playoff. I asked you out there to vote in my poll. Were you in favor of a 12-team playoff? 76% of you said that you were. Let me look at those most recent numbers. Tens of thousands of you voted in that poll, and I want to make sure that, uh, that I get these numbers right. Um, but tons of you were in favor of the college football playoff. Obviously, I tweeted a lot. Uh, during the uh, during the course of the uh, of the games on Saturday, so I got to scroll all the way down, and uh, it seems quite clear that there is a substantial demand out there. Twenty six thousand of you voted, and seventy six percent of you agree uh, with twelve in the college football playoff, as opposed to four, with only twenty four percent of the support. All right. I love all of you. Uh, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I'll be live tomorrow with Clay and Buck. I'll be on Fox News here shortly with Martha McCollum uh, here in about 30 minutes or so. I'll be on Fox News every Saturday morning setting the table. Additionally, for Big Noon kickoff on Fox and Friends, which should be an awful lot of fun as well. So I'm going to have a whirlwind of a fall I will be uh, at Texas, Alabama this weekend. Next weekend, I will be at Penn State, Auburn. Weekend after that, I will be at Florida, Tennessee. And then we will see, pause, and kind of check and see exactly how the landscape looks uh, for picking places in October and November. All right. I love all of you. Thank you for spending uh, some time with me here on Labor Day. Appreciate all your support for OutKick. August was the greatest month audience-wise for OutKick. September is going to be even bigger. You can go read the Starting 11. You can also go read my House of the Dragon review, which also went up last night. Uh, And uh, like I said, I'll be on Fox News here shortly. This has been OutKick the Show, Labor Day edition.